What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest William Schumacher on the line. He is the owner, CEO, and founder of Uprising Foods. They make a ketogenic-friendly bread. He sent me some. It's great. The ingredients are super clean, and I can totally vouch for him as a person and just where he stands on business. We, we dive into all things creating a food product business within the keto space, and just based off of this hour-long conversation, I could tell that we're speaking the same language and I've got utmost respect for what he's doing, where he's going, and what he's what his motivation is behind building this brand, this business in the first place. His passion shows through. We dive into all the technical aspects of having a food product business. We dive into his bread. We dive into all things business and why he's doing what he's doing. Hope you enjoy. Sit back, relax, enjoy the conversation with William. William, we're live, man. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Robert. How are you, man? I'm great. It's glad to have you on board, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So you reached out, or I reached out, I don't remember which, uh, via Instagram. No, somebody introduced us. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, and, Kristen. Yeah, yeah, Kristen. And she's actually introduced me to a, a few people. I need to like, send her some bricks or something because she's made all kinds of connections for me. Um, <laughs> but she got me she's in touch awesome. with you because you are the founder and CEO of Uprising Foods. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So um, I started Uprising Food a little over a year ago, March 2019. We went live, um, and we are a low-carb superfood bread company. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually got connected to Kristen because uh, she became my accountant in this journey. Nice. Um, but prior to starting Uprising Food, I was actually working at Procter & Gamble in marketing, uh, building one of the biggest brands in the world, a little brand you might know called Olay. Mm -hmm. um, so I came from beauty. Um, but my whole dream my entire life was to help people get healthy. Um, and I wanted to do something for the masses. And when I went to Procter & Gamble, my whole goal was to learn um, and figure out what's it really going to take to help people at scale. And I grew up in an entrepreneurial family uh, in the woods in the, on the east side of Cincinnati. Uh, grew up uh, you know, very interested in health from my mom's side, very interested in building companies that would help people from my dad's side. Um, and kind of all that came together. And I really just had this this moment um, at, when I was working at Procter & Gamble where I was like, oh my gosh, I have all this like information that I have gathered over time for my own health. And I had done all these, I was doing all these weird biohacking experiments and you know, telling my coworkers about it. And I would give people my plan and like all the things that were working for me. And out of all those times, like very few people had actually followed through for any significant amount of time. In fact, only one person had ever achieved a transformation despite me like laying out line by line, here's what I would do, here's what I would do workout wise, here's what I'm eating. And I, I realized at Procter & Gamble that the key to helping consumers at scale is partly by bringing better products to market. So you have to help people understand why different products are important and why they have to make health changes, but you also have to make that way freaking easier for them so that they can get the transformation. And that starts with people making great products. And so that was essentially the, um, the, the spark for uprising and then realizing like, hey, one of the hardest things to give up psychologically uh, when someone goes low carb or goes keto 
or is just trying to go one step healthier in 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 their lifestyle is the idea of giving up bread because mm-hmm. bread bread brings us to the table bread is so you know deep in culture um and we've you know, organized around it for thousands of years <laughs> so you know when i started uprising i said hey i want to tackle the thing that people think of first and then over time i want to develop more products that address the other major staple foods like chips and crackers and cookies um but uh, but if we can make a really killer bread that um people love and all the health knowledge just happens to already be embedded inside it then that's something that can really win for people i like it i like it i feel like a lot of companies you know, they they have this idea and they try to bring it to market, but they kind of go about it the exact opposite way. (laughs) Like they're trying to, they're trying to push people, you know, square peg into a round hole. And instead they need to look at the the issue, the niche focus, and then figure out what the solution is. And, And you're absolutely right, man. Like so many people, when they think of keto, their initial instinct response is, I have to give up bread. Like that's like the words out of their mouth. It's funny because I've never really been much of a bread guy. But that's what everybody gets tripped up on is the bread. So I think that's a, a great obstacle to tackle. Yeah, ironically, uh, I'm similar to you, Robert, in that um, I had given up bread for years and years and years. It really wasn't that hard for me. Um, but it turns out that that is absolutely psychologically the thing that you think of when when most people are making this switch. Mm-hmm. And so since you know getting that transformation is – part psycho psychology, part um, physiology, like you have to be able to bring them both together. And what I wanted to do was establish with Uprising, you can trust that this company is going to make the best tasting products in these categories that you could possibly imagine, because we've proven it in bread. Bread is if if we can do it here, we can do it in other things because bread is actually incredibly hard to make taste great have a clean ingredient list and be low carb, paleo friendly, all the things that you, know, you would really want in an optimal product. Totally. What is your favorite way of eating the bread? Like do you toast it or what's your go-to technique here? My, my personal go-to is actually the simplest of all time things. It's just cinnamon toast. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and basically, it's part nostalgia for me um, of taking me back to my childhood days. You know, mom would make cinnamon toast all the time for us. Um, and I basically love to replicate both the simplicity and quickness of that uh, meal, but also the flavors that you get there. So, you know, obviously, I would, I would toast my bread and then I would um, put grass fed butter on it. And then rather than sugar, I would put monk fruit. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get that cinnamon sugar bear type effect like mom had on the counter. Um, and, you know, this is all in under five minutes. Um, so that that's by far my most frequent use of having bread back in my life. Um, but I would say that my most, the, the thing that is my single most enjoyable bite is actually the egg sandwich. Mm, gotcha. So, <laughs> I grew up on egg sandwiches um as uh, obviously i had some cinnamon toast in my day but also i grew just totally grew up on egg sandwiches that was just a staple in my family um and even uh, we have so many memories of like me my dad my brother before a big hunt um in the morning we would all make egg sandwiches together so egg sandwiches were so so 
uh, part of my childhood and part of you know my personal food culture. And um, and I had just given up egg sandwiches for the longest time. And the moment I had my uprising bread with the gooey egg yolk running down it and a piece of Kerrygold cheddar uh, slice, I was like, oh my God, this is pure heaven. Now it takes slightly longer than a cinnamon toast uh, slice to make. So that's why it's not quite as frequent, but it certainly is my favorite single bite with my bread. We did not uh, organize this podcast timing properly. I should have done this podcast after I'd eaten instead of before, <laughs> because now you just make me hungry, man. <laughs> so, so talk to me a little bit about the ingredients, man. Like, what what made you go with the the ingredients you did? What are some? Because like bread on the keto diet is is a pretty big challenge. So, there's been a lot yes. of attempts. There's been some some mishaps. A lot a lot of people have had issues with that. What How'd you stumble upon these ingredients and like this ratio and how'd you get it to work for you? Yeah. So, um, first thing to note is I baked 200 loaves myself into like 200 different recipes before we even came up, came upon what we have now and what we actually ship to folks. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I was doing, and this was before I was like, Hey, this, this should be a new brand in this world. This should be a new company. Way before that, I was just like, wait a minute, you can make bread that's low carb. Let me try and do this myself. And so I go down the path that most consumers go down of, hey, why don't I look up recipes online, start throwing things together, see see what I can do by myself before I pay you know, for something off the shelf or pay to have something sent to me. And you quickly realize low carbohydrate baking is extremely hard. But I had got my recipe kind of dialed in to where I was personally eating it every day, but I didn't think it was worthy of being sold. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, ah, if I can find someone who their expertise is baking and they're willing to devote those skills to bread and take on this challenge, I think it can be done to a level that I will be proud to put this on a consumer's plate. And so um, I went and I cold call recruited the top baker in the Cincinnati region and, and basically said, hey, I want to help the masses get healthy. I need a pro who can actually create a recipe that is worthy of, of the, the tables all over the U.S. Would you be interested? And, you know, sometimes um, you're just blessed with the right conversation at the right time. And I was able to get his attention and it's actually both him and his wife, Mark and Sarah Frohmeyer. They're now my co-founders at Uprising, um, but they had run the highest end famous, most famous bakery here in the Cincinnati region. Um, and they brought their skills to Uprising and created the product we actually sell now. Very so, cool. so we're actually a taste first company. Um, and that we want our we want the product taste to stand alone and show up first before we say, hey, this is also a healthy bread. Now that said, we also were very choosy on the ingredients. So you know we wanted to create something that would r- reach the highest pinnacle criteria that we could possibly imagine. So. Essentially, we're like, hey, what are the things that we would hold our own food to? 
can we get that into a product and then uh, get that to folks? And so first, first thing we said was, hey, we want to figure out how to transform nuts and seeds primarily into some sort of bread-like product. Mm -hmm. And um, there's multiple ways to go about creating a low-carbohydrate bread. Um, and, and one of those is leveraging um, gluten variants or derivatives because that will help you get you the structure inside the bread that's very similar to how normal bread has that scaffolding. Mm -hmm. However, we did not want anything to do with grains. We wanted to imagine like, hey, what if this was paleo, low carb, gluten free, all the things. And so we started with, um, so our, our base is really almond flour, golden flax seeds, psyllium husk, and then eggs. And that really creates the body of your bread. And then we have um, salt, water, and apple cider vinegar, and then just a little baking powder. So it's very simple ingredient list, but getting all those proportions perfected. And I mean, if you are off by just a little bit, you do not have a bread anymore. It will end up as like a uh, an air pocket of crust or a completely collapsed uh, food-like product. Um, but after a lot and lot of trial and error, we are able to get those ingredients dialed in to where we can create a, a chewy, um, uh, artisan, mild sourdoughy bread every single time. Yeah, and the ingredients are, are super clean, man. Like when I got the, the package you sent me in the mail, I looked at the ingredients like, there's nothing there that was any red flag. There's so many of these, you know, baked keto goods. It's like you start reading the ingredient list. I mean, they've got all the fancy, you know, net carb count on the front of the package, but you actually turn the package around. You look at the ingredients and like, I'm not going to be eating this. This isn't keto. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, hats off to you for making a clean, legit product there, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Definitely very hard. Um, it also is very costly mm -hmm. um, because we don't put preservatives in there. So the way we're getting this to folks is, you know, we have to keep the bread cold in transit, um, which obviously that's a big package. There's, there's some expense there. We pay premium prices um, with like FedEx and UPS. Um, but we want to make sure that the kind of the fresh uh, version of what a artisan low carbohydrate bread can be gets all the way from our bakery to your door. I like it. I, I do love the packaging. It's like a big block, you know, like I, I make the keto <laughs> bricks. So I've got like this obsession with bricks and blocks and cubes. So it works out pretty well. Yes, we, we are in the shape, same shape universe. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I love the branding too, man. Like what, how, how'd you come up? I'm assuming some of this is probably hinging from what you learned at Olay, Procter & Gamble, but like the, the branding is on point. Like where'd the whole motivation for like the colonial times theme come from? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you. Um, yes, we work very, very, very hard on the brand side as well um, because we want a brand that people can resonate with and can that they see themselves in and that they want to be a part of. In the early creation days, I, I said I need a metaphor that people can really relate to so they understand this mission that we're on and I can communicate how we roll and why this is important. And so I said, 
who who are we most like in my mind's eye of what we're trying to do? And I was like, it's the Revolutionary War. We're like the founding fathers and the food system at at large is broken and it's making people sick and unhealthy. And of course, we're aware of this, but we need a courageous brand that says, hey, we're going to stand up. We're going to make these staple foods differently. And we're going to figure out how to do it in a way that it's accessible to the masses. So in the early days, I would always say like big bread is England and we're the we're the revolutionaries. And we even have like revolutionary war alter egos um, like, you know, I go by William Washington in emails. Um, we have a little, you know, find your revolutionary war alter ego on our website. Um, but truly, it's, you know, this idea of a righteous rebellion. Um, but not but uh, we always say like we're not rebel rousers here that are just trying to create conflict or be against something we are for something and we just want to love on consumers and love on their health journey and be come alongside them and make that easier we want them to be the hero like we don't want to be the hero and you'll find like in our our branding and our packaging you know, we have this revolutionary war vibe, but we also lighten it up and we don't want to be overly aggressive. And we have, you know, like a gigantic whisk as our weapon rather than, you know, some sort of armament. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we just totally resonate with this idea of, you know, the American Revolution and, and some of the, the concepts of like, you know, fighting for something much bigger than ourselves and creating a new way in food. Um, and, and so far, like people have really resonated with that. Yeah. I love it, man. Like I, I'm on the, the newsletter list as well. And like the emails look good. They've got a good flow to them. It's like actually educational, entertaining to open up. It's not just a spam email, you know? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, that, that is also a huge objective of, of ours of, you know, I came from a huge brand, um, and I very much understand marketing technology and the kind of onslaught of email bombardment that is possible with modern technology. Mm -hmm. And so when I created Uprising, I was like, we're not doing that. We are going to have a as personal relationship as possible with you. And we're trying to set up the tone of our emails when we communicate with you. We want you to feel like we are trying to talk to you as much as um, you can be talking to someone through an email. I love and it. We, We've added on text messages that kind of follow that that line of communication. And we are like, please email us back. We will talk to you. We'll get on the phone with you. Um, anything that we can do to kind of serve you and your journey is is basically what we're, our mission is. I love it. I love it. What? Uh, so let's, let's get into some nuts and bolts of the business, man, because I get a lot of yeah. questions about, you know, people wanting to know how to start a food business or things that I've learned in the process. So I'd love to kind of pick your brain as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Are, are you like, have you gone the co-packing route? Or are you doing all this in house or kind of what's your setup like? Yeah. So we had a kind of two phased approach, um, in that, you know, we wanted to be able to scale to the masses. So, you know, part of that is how do you find partners who bring things to the table that you don't necessarily have or are very costly to acquire? Mm-hmm. And um, my, my, you know, teammates, my co-founders, they have local um, baking facilities here in Cincinnati. Um, and so while they were co-founders, they also became co-packers out of the gate. 
um, and they brought infrastructure and farm markets and the ability to, you know, really get in front of customers and, and build up our volume um, such that we could find a, a bigger location and a second partner. And so um, in actually May 1st of this year, um, we were able to secure a second partnership with a co-packer um, who is now making the bread and they can make, you know, they have access to more labor and they can bring in more bakers and train them um, than what we could do here in Cincinnati together. And so they've come in to come alongside us to get us to the next level of scale. So from an entrepreneur, my big piece of advice to folks is a really effective strategy is to find the things that, that you are really, really good at that you whatever you think you are best in the world at and best in the world doesn't have to mean literally the whole world it's whatever the world you're trying to serve is find those things and then go get partners who are best in the rest of the world <laughs> whatever that rest of the world that you need to accomplish the mission go find those folks and bring them alongside you if they can unify under your mission and then that way, you're not trying to build things from the ground up or learn things from the ground up that other people with more wisdom and experience might already know. I try to bring you know, resources to the table where I'm getting the absolute best at various um, you know, uh, different capabilities or expertise and put them all together into a machine that's just you know, rowing at top tier speed. I like that. I like that. There's, a, there's so much to be said for you know, recognizing what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and then kind of pairing up people that complement those, um, you know, to the to scale and to grow. I think so many people try and do all things on their own, and I, I'm yes. very guilty of this, and that's held me back. And now, like, I'm blessed to have an amazing team. Like, I would not have been able to grow the business near to the extent that I have had I been trying to do all things at all times because it's just it's impossible. You have to have a good set of hands to be alongside you to help you move the needle forward 100 percent, and i definitely subscribe to the theory of um you know strength finders and and focusing on your strengths and really just kind of shoring up your you know, things that you're not as strong at mm -hmm. um i also subscribe to um you know you can totally relate as as a leader of a company you're only going to be as good as the power of your team right and you will not be successful or your success will tap out at some point. You'll, your growth will be stunted if the model of the business is the mastermind in the middle or the yeah. genius in the middle, right? There's only so much the genius in the middle business can really actually get done. You have to be able to unlock the power of the multiple people around you and kind of the one plus one equals three effect. However, what is very important in my personal opinion is understanding a little bit like maybe like at the 30,000 feet level of the other parts of the business, even if you're not doing them such that you can empathize with the team member who is going to step into that role at some point and you want to be able to support them best. You don't need to do the work necessarily, but you need to understand the work such that you can really help them accelerate. 100% agree, man. Like, you have to, if you try and do all things yourself, then you're just going to be this massive bottleneck that just yes. stops you cold. <laughs> but you need to have some perspective on every single aspect of the business. Like, some degree of perspective is mandatory with everything. Like, I know, you know, enough about the accounting to be knowledgeable, but I don't try and do all my own accounting. Like, I, I seek out, yes. an, you know, an expert accountant for that. 
I, I know how to do graphic design and I've done it. That, that's why I think bootstrapping a business from the beginning is so important because you have to do all those things in, initially that you gain yes. that perspective and then you understand, you know, what your skill set is, but then you can relate and, and find someone that can do it better, but you still, you're not so disconnected from their skill set that you can't relate, you can't apply, you can't grow the, on a macro level. Um, right. So having that ability is, is paramount. And, and you're able to ask the right questions. Totally. Right? Like if, if you don't know enough um, about the particular subject matter area, you won't know what are the right questions to be asking, um, especially when things might start going in the wrong direction. You know, how do you course correct in a way that you're able to, you know, hold folks accountable to like, hey, these are the metrics that, that matter. It's no different than your health, right? Like if you don't know the metrics that actually matter, that drive your health or if you don't have a you know a certain level of understanding about these various um components whether it be your blood work um you know whether it be you know understanding how to to um read how you feel on a daily basis like having that certain level of understanding allows you to ask better questions um and and manage situations far um uh, with far more wisdom 100 percent agree what's been some of your biggest like obstacles or pitfalls or just course correct you know terms that you've had to make over the past year since you've been doing this so so the first one was very specific to being a first-time food entrepreneur <laughs> uh, and this was probably my biggest blunder as a in my entrepreneurial journey was not understanding the dynamics of uh preservation and molding specifically mm, yeah <laughs> so, so if I had it to do over again, I would have run a much more extensive battery of tests uh, before we got rolling to understand, you know, how does temperature plus light exposure plus uh, pH levels plus all this stuff affect how, how quickly or slowly a fresh food will mold. Uh, because what ended up happening was when we launched the company, it was March. By the time we were shipping major volume, it was the dead of summer. Mm -hmm. Our formula was awesome. Our recipe was awesome in all of our R&D, but we only we were doing most of our R&D in um, January and February. So, yes, we had our homes, but you couldn't get those up to replicate FedEx truck conditions. Mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden, we were... We, 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 July of last year, we're getting, you know, heartbreaking emails where you get an email from your consumer in California, like, Hey, I was so freaking excited about the bread, but it's moldy. And you're like, Oh no. <laughs> and, and, and that caused a ton of losses last summer financially, you know, as we had to go back to the drawing board and fix our packaging and uh renegotiate all of our rates with our shippers um and basically say hey you know in order to ship this to every door in the country which is what our goal is um you know we our bread is not meant for grocery stores it's meant to go from us to you um it's going to take a totally different economic setup um and we even in that we had to uh we used to give two free bonus loaves away on the first order we had to move to um just a one bonus loaf we had to start charging for shipping mm -hmm. so we had to kind of increase our prices um 
and it was you know it was a super scary moment because you're like i'm losing a lot of money um and and meanwhile we were also sold so much out of the gate that we were backed up and you know you'd already collected someone's money mm-hmm. and then they're expecting the product at the price they paid well now because i have had to change the cost of the packaging and like I'll invest so much more in getting it expediting shipping all this stuff also now i'm losing 20 30 dollars a sale i'm not even making a dime on these sales uh and you know we're we're not a cheap product we're we're a premium product and so it was a very tough moment um and really about a six-week span last summer um when you know you had to go through that learning curve of what it's going to really actually take to scale fresh because that was the other thing is you know you had this you had this choice we had a choice we could have brought preservatives into the product and you know we all had a little come to jesus moment um where we kind of stared at each other in our office and we're like are we gonna try putting preservatives in or are we gonna try to to uh, solve the temperature and transit issue with packaging. Um, and, you know, we all just voted, hey, this is, you know, our principle is all about the ingredients mm-hmm. and um, our philo- it's an ingredient first philosophy. And if we don't want to, you know, take any, ch- if we want to put it in our body, we're not going to put it in yours. So um, we said, hey, we're going to eat the costs. We're going to sell out a loss. We're going to get through this packaging. And we're going to pop out on the other side, a far stronger company. And we hope that customers will stick with us. And they did. Kudos to you, man. Like there's so many companies that would totally have taken the cheaper option and, you know, not done right by the consumer in a situation like that. So whenever I know of a company that does take the harder step, it's like just instantly much more respect. Um, so hats off to you there. It's, it's, it's crazy because since I've been, you know, in the food business myself, there, there's so many things that have happened that I would never have thought twice about. And then all of a sudden, you know, (laughs) six weeks down the road, you're like this, this little thing that was just a a flicker of my thought process six weeks ago has totally turned my world upside down. And (laughs) you are down this crazy rabbit hole. You never would have expected to be down. You're like fighting fires and solving problems that you had no background on. Uh, but that's why you do it. You know, you just love, you love the spontaneity of it and it makes you a stronger person for it. Yes. Yep. But I love it all, man. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to explain and relate with someone that that doesn't, that's not an entrepreneur, first of all. But then when you start talking about food products, it's weird because like you talk about people, you know, sending nasty emails about their, their bread being moldy. I don't know how you were when you first got into it, but for me and Crystal, my wife, it's like when we first got into it, we were we had no scale. We were selling at a loss. We weren't making any money. We were just slaving away, no yep. sleep. And we were we were putting our hearts and souls into these bricks. And then we get like a nasty DM on Instagram or a bad email, and people had like <laughs> no emotion. They're just ripping our hearts out. And like Crystal would be oh, yeah. just in bed crying. And it's it's tough, man. Like you put your you put your passion into this, and it's like people are unforgiving. Yeah, it totally, you know, it's um, interesting. You know, I have a very unique personality um, in that when I get those nasty grams or have gotten those nasty grams, 
for some reason, I am wired to first, like, my reaction is literally like, man, I love them so much. You like, got to. Like, what is going, like, something is really jacked up, you know, in, in their life. And I'm so, I'm like almost sad with them. Like, man, I really wish we would have blown them away with our product. And it's on us. We got to fix this somehow, some way. So I'm like, I, we try to go crazy over the top to um, like own everything, even if it's not like technically our fault or it's like unforeseen circumstance. Like I just keep telling my team, like, is, you know, they'll, they'll show me an email. I'm like, I love this person. Like, and, and I think just it's, it's something that was innately wired to me, but it also is just so helpful for the, for the company because we know like, Hey, you know, some folks, there's just nothing you can do to please. Yeah. Um, but, but also, you know, I inherently kind of believe that people are good folks and, um, you know, they're stressed out and like they're, they're, you know, God only knows what just happened to them today. They might've want to take that email back. Uh, but, but what we can control is how we react to it. Um, but it, it, you know, it's more heartbreaking when, when for, for me, it, it's more heartbreaking when I'm like, man, I know what we're capable of. We're capable of really serving people with, with extreme excellence. And for some reason or another, the bread didn't get there correctly. And so they didn't have that 10 star experience we're, we're really striving for. Yeah. You, you got to pretty much go over the top. And when you do that, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like selflessly, you're giving so much more than is required of you as a company, but it, selfishly you do it as well for your own benefit because it allows you to sleep at night and not constantly be second guessing yourself of yes. should I have gone the extra mile? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? If you know that your intentions are just absolute pure and you went way over the top and gave them more than they would ever expect, then even if they're just like a like having a terrible day and they just want to be nasty no matter what you do, you can at least go to sleep knowing that you did everything that was in your power. Yes, exactly, exactly. So what about uh, what what? Where's this going, man? Like you said, you don't want to really get into to retail. It's more direct to consumer. Like you think that'll be how it is indefinitely, or do you think you're trying to get into like grocery stores at some point, or where you're kind of taking things there? So, so not indefinitely for sure. Eventually, we will be in retail. Um, and you know, the whole the whole goal here is to bring the five major staple categories that uh, are traditionally high carb, highly preserved, and 90% of the, the business is done in your local retail store. Um, those are the things that we're tackling. So you've got your bread, you've got chips, you've got crackers, you've got cookies, and then you've got um, cereals and pastas. Mm -hmm. So technically that's six, but they, you know, uh, the way grocery stores group them, there's actually five there. So those are those are gigantic fundamental categories, and we gotta be where people actually are. So yes, people are online, and if you come to our website, we want to send you our product. But we also need to get right next to you. If you prefer to whole to go to Whole Foods, great, we'll be there. If you prefer to go to uh, Kroger, we need to figure out how to get there. Now, what we do imagine is that our bread our bread is really so unique and so delicate that it's probably best um, as an online thing. And we hope that, you know, in the future, if people want the bread, they just, hopefully they will come to our website and we'll ship it directly to their door. But um, with the things that we've got in the pipeline, um, like our chips and our crackers and all that stuff, those are things we're working on. And we're looking, we're working on formulas and packaging and all of that, that is gonna work both online 
and at retail stores. Because ultimately it's about helping make it accessible and convenient for folks to get to the product and get it at the best price. What a lot of people don't realize is that, um, you know, the shipping and, and um, marketing to people online is really, really, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, companies, in order to run those Instagram ads and Facebook ads, they have to uh, account for that money in their product cost. Well, you know, there's, there's ways to, um, by moving to other uh, channels like your traditional grocery stores, that actually does in some ways help you bring your price down because you don't necessarily have to pay, you know, Instagram or Facebook for every single um, customer. So ultimately, we just want accessibility is absolutely key. And, you know, we're thinking in terms of uh, multiple millions of folks needing to be able to afford and get to our product. Um, And we've got to get make it easy for them, make it convenient and make it accessible. I like it. I like it. What have you found to be like the most beneficial way of you know educating the consumer? Because I'm I'm imagining with your product, you know, it's it's at a higher price point uh, because you're using these very high quality ingredients without the preservatives, and it's it's just unique. Like it's not like a, a loaf of Wonder Bread where you can you know yeah. throw it in the pantry and it looked the same in you know six months. Um, but like people that are you know going online or walking on the grocery store aisle, they need to like be somewhat educated as to why this bread is superior to a different bread. So like, what have you found to be the best yes. way to, to educate the consumer? Yeah, so uh, the website is absolutely critical, um, especially for the bread, uh, because the you need some real estate to show folks, hey, here's a little bit about ingredients. Here's a little bit about how we compare to um, other breads. Here's how we compare to uh, like maybe if you were to imagine a slice, eating a slice versus a protein bar. So you really need that real estate provided on a website to uh, explain the story of our product. And it's more than a, you know, two second decision mm-hmm. in stores on shelves. Most of that is actually like a sub 10 second decision. And you know, you're really got the front of your package. That's got to do all the work that our website is currently doing for folks. Um, and since the bread is such a unique product, you know, that's part of why it's not really meant for um, stores because you just need a little more breathing space to explain the benefits. And then people generally, once they've you know stayed on our website for about a minute and a half, two minutes, they get the, they really know if this is right for them or not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 is absolutely critical. Now, our big thing is um, we actually in our first year 90 percent of our customers came from word of mouth so we actually prefer to um, really blow away a customer with an excellent product and excellent service and we want them to be our marketing our primary marketing vehicle Um, and so word of mouth is by far our best uh our, our best source now we also do um we do get the word out via instagram uh youtube and facebook um we've we around the first of the year we have begun to create a movement around uh the toast cleanse Mm -hmm. which which is a three-day uh gut health reset that our bread is we use the bread as kind of the key tool 
um, but it's all about doing an experiment on your own biology of high fiber for three days and then um, obviously low carb with the bread and we we help folks with some suggestions around fats oils and um, fermentable foods that we add to the bread and we really want people to experience um, you know some sort of gut health transformation even not it's not like you're gonna totally transform your health in three days but just something noticeable right and you can find a lot of folks in YouTube who have done our, our toast cleanse and they talk about it. I like it. I like it. Having like challenges like that or some kind of educational process that gives people a tangible benefit they can grasp hold on to is key. What about? Yes. I'm, I'm huge on momentum and small wins. Yeah, totally. And so, you know, what you find is like people get super excited about the big goal but then the next day they wake up and it's like they're 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 in that trough of sorrow, which is just really a super stressful moment of like, how am I going to accomplish this? And so I'm always like, how do we get people quick wins so they can climb that mountain and then they've got that momentum to push them through? I love it. I love it. What about competitors, man? Like that I've I've matured a lot over the past two years with Keto Brick when it comes to competitors knock off brands like people trying to replicate or not even necessarily replicate me but bring something to the market and just prey on people's ignorance so i'm curious to get your take on that yeah so um i think there's so many different um philosophies on on handling competition um i don't think there's one right way but i can tell you our way um we set out to make the single best product all around in the market for the category. Um, and we know the things that we care about. And if we are not for you, that is totally 100% fine. I'm not trying to convince everyone that we are the best product for them at that moment. I am always, always doing the soul torture test. Do I believe we are truly the best low carb, the healthiest, the best tasting bread in the in the category and I, so i first start with can we sleep at night with that being true in our heart of hearts right now there's absolutely products who are um way cheaper than us and we primarily actually compete against two things very cheap breads like the aldi keto bread mm-hmm. um or baking at home and i actually i, I told um my employee the other day, I was like, I hope everyone tries every other keto bread before they come to us. Because I know that if they've experienced the others, once they have ours, they will immediately be blown away and they'll be a customer for life. And our reviews speak for themselves. So basically, I'm always trying to create to and make sure that we have truly the best product in the market. Uh, absolutely from a taste wise. And then secondly, from a, how many health benefits, how many, um, how many lifestyles are we going to be able to support? Um, You know, can, do we have any kind of weakness in our ingredient label? And as long as we're like, as long as I feel like we are the strongest product over time, the strongest product um, with good, with decent marketing and great customer service, I think will stand the test of time. You might, you know, lose some sales here or there as, um, you know, a product comes to market. But 
Um, you know, there's definitely been keto breads who have tried. They haven't gone to the level of um, product uh, satisfaction that's necessary. And unfortunately, they you know, have went out of business or they've had to pull the line. I think so, so that, that's our philosophy. I love it, man. I, I totally agree. I think being just over the top bold with your business, your branding, your products is, is absolutely key. If you're trying to make like incremental improvements over, you know, pro company X, Y, or Z, then you'll always just be in that mediocrity, you know, platform. Whereas if yeah. you're trying to go just over the top crazy, like who the hell else is doing this? Boom, I'm going to do that. Then yes. it just puts you in a league all of its own. I mean, there's not another thousand calorie keto bar out there like we're the freaking brick and you know yes. i'm proud of yes. that like i like that i'm not trying to make a keto snack bar that tastes like a dessert and has 25 26 27 grams of total carbs that has a crazy equation that brings you down to one net carb like i'm not trying to be that i'm trying to be the best ketogenic performance bar on the market period and hearing you say the same thing in your own way about your bread like I can totally relate yes. and resonate with that, and that is special, man. That's something that you got to hold on to and never, never, ever sacrifice. Yes, and it's like it's interesting because you know you really have to have a balance of um, super confidence and like being able to stand your ground about you know what your product is and and you know how it performs and all of that, and at the same time have extreme empathy and be willing to hear any critique totally so, so for us you know we rolled out with, with only one flavor feel where it's very chewy and dense and that you know this like people love this especially you know if you have been eating kind of light airy or trying to bake at home like this is really substantial and you feel like you're getting your money's worth in that bite mm -hmm. and it does all the things that you would expect a, a, like a, a bread to do However, there's totally a, a, a segment of the population that the bread is just a little bit too aggressive for. You know, like maybe they don't prefer the, um, the density or like the chewiness and they want a little bit lighter loaf. And so, you know, we said, hey, you know, we're not so proud, even though we fully believe that this is the best bread you could possibly get your hands on, we're not so proud that we can't make a second one and address the other consumers' needs that are out there. And so we're working on a second loaf right now um, that should meet kind of the rest of the pallets out there that will still meet all of our requirements um, and, and, you know, be all, all the things that we expect in our food at Uprising, but also, you know, really helps um, dial in on, you know, a, a different preference um, that, that there's certainly a consumer out there for. I like that. That's, that's, that's good because you're, you're having a broader reach but you're not losing any of your depth if that makes sense like you're not sacrificing yes. your ingredient profile you don't ever want to lose your depth at the expense of just going broader because then i mean you can't be all things to all people like you're never going to make everybody happy i've learned that i mean shoot being in the food product business has taught me that better than anything else like you cannot make everybody <laughs> yes. happy so having your your values and your your standalone principles that you never waver from and then figuring out how to make everything else fit within those is yes. is the best you can do and if you're like the best you can be at those specific things and those specific things appeal to a very specific audience then and yes. you and you treat those people like your life depended on it because it does then you'll always win yes 100 percent agree 
I love it, man. I love it, man. We're speaking the same language. So yes. what's, what's next? What's the next big thing for you? So, um, so this year, th- this summer, we're all about um, trying to get the word out uh, to as many folks as possible. Um, like I said, we, it, it took a long time to build up a supply chain that could really, really scale. Um, and so we're just trying to help as many people find out about us. And then, you know, they determine whether this is the right pot for them right now. Um, we've got a second loaf coming um, that will probably be due out later in the summer. Um, and then we also have um, a chip coming that is, uh, it, it's going to hopefully break the grocery store. <laughs> it's that good. Um, and so we're going to be figuring out how to launch that probably um, January of, of next year um, or maybe in the holiday uh, time frame. But ultimately, it's, you know, it's, it's one step at a time up a very, very long mountain. And so we're, we're, each day we are saying, okay, how can we find the next group of consumers who is going to love this product, who this is the right product for them, and let's go find them, tell them about that, and let them make, make their decision. I like it. I like it. I'm excited, man. It's, it's cool to see. Like, it's funny because you know, having a food product in the keto space, like a lot of people just assume that you look at other people that are putting out food products and you like put your guard up to them. I try and get them on the podcast. I try and like connect with them. I try and network with them because I can see through the, the superficial crap that a lot of companies are doing. Like I can tell that you're passionate about what you're doing. I can tell that you're passionate about the people you're helping. And that should be all of our underlying goals and missions. Like if we're rising the tide with that, then we're all going to win. And I feel like, you know, you've got the right message. You've got the right motivations here. So I'm excited to see it keep growing. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, it is truly, I I'm, I'm in the same camp as you is that, um, people who really care about the health of the masses, the more of us that are teaming up and creating an alliance to bring about this fundamental change, that um, you know we we believe in our heart of hearts needs to happen, the better. And you know, truly back to kind of that revolutionary war uh, metaphor. Um, I truly uh, that is exactly how I feel. Of you know, it took many alliances. It took people playing certain roles. You know, like I I I always say um, the only reason that what you and I are, are definitely what Upright is doing is. Easy even possible is you know folks like dave asprey at bulletproof and um you know dominic diagostino and all these guys who came before and just spread the information required to even set up product opportunity you know the work like you're doing with this podcast like everyone plays a role in the overall movement some specific in small roles some specific in gigantic roles uh, you know, some, like some are, you know, need to create the bread. Some need to create the bricks. Some just need to share information. Um, and so I'm, in, I'm totally in the camp of anyone who's trying to help people get healthier. Like you're on my team and I, and I want to, I'm rooting for you. Um, and, and there's enough consumers out there and there's enough products that need to get made for us to all have some level of success. We're all not going to be billionaires. And that's okay. You know, it's, it's really about at the end of the day, are the consumers winning 
And if they're winning, that's really the, you know, that's where your satisfaction should come from. And the other things are, they're kind of, they, they're, 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 um, they follow what the actual impact. Amen to that, man. Like it is not about the dollar at all. And when you, when you're behind something that you're, you believe in and you can feel like when I get the emails, I'm sure you can say the same thing. When you get the emails from these people that are using your product that you made, that you came up with, that you invented and created to fill a niche and, and, you know, answer a need and it's improving people's health and well-being, like that is so much more fulfilling than a dollar could ever be. Oh, 100%. It, the ratings and reviews, the emails, um, the stories, that is what we get charged up about. And also the thing that I really appreciate is um, like when, when someone really cares about the product, you can see the little details like on the packaging, in the ingredient list, all this stuff. Like, uh, you know, like when I got your bricks for the first time, um, I, you know, I, I was like appreciative of little things like, oh, it's a thousand calories on the dot. That mm-hmm. makes it really easy to, you know, partition it up to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a round number that makes it easy to make it like a base for adding on other things in my daily, uh, food plan. And it's like these little details that, that, um, when you really, really care about the consumer's problem, like with, when you are in love with that problem and trying to solve for it for them, there's little nuances of um, innovation and detail that you put into your product and your brand experience that uh, may or may not um, be noticed, but it's totally fine because it's serving the bigger mission. Yeah, totally. And those things almost inevitably always make the product more expensive to produce. Like I leave money on the table every day and I guarantee you do too by selecting the ingredients that we do, but that's okay. That's okay. It's like I said, it's not about the money. Like I want to be able to make the best thing and know that with absolute certainty. And yes. that's worth leaving money on the table to do. 100% agree. Well, shoot, man. Where can people go to buy more bread and learn more about the company? Simple. Uprisingfood.com. Uh, check us out. Um, you know, Follow us on Instagram. Uh, make sure you get on the email list because, like I said, we've got new products coming. Um, if, any, if, if it's going to be anything like the – when we launch stuff will sell out quick. So if you want to be uh, first in line for the chips or the, the other low flavors that we're making, um, you know, make sure you, you at least stay connected to us in whatever form you're comfortable with. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I always email all the customers. Um, so you always get an email from me right after you order. Um, you like, I always tell folks, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm happy to form a relationship with the customer so yeah, I, I just want to you know serve folks and build the best freaking product possible um, and help them get to their transformation. So I'll go to the website and we'll take it from there. Very cool. I will link out to that and make it easy. And if there's anything I can do for you, man, just just let me know. Let's definitely keep in touch. I feel like having somebody in your corner in the food industry is is always a plus. Like if you know a good packaging yes. supplier, if you know a good X, Y, or Z, it's it's good to know people that know people. <laughs> Yes, hundred percent. And I'm actually a little, little um, side project. I'm actually developing some sort of little. I want to do an integration of your bricks with my bread um, to like have like a co-branded meal. So I'm I'm 
working through what that will be, but when how to essentially make take one of your bricks, melt it, and or integrate it with the bread. So it's like a brick bread sandwich type thing. Oh, uh, but I'm when interested. I, yeah, uh, but like back to like what I was saying before. Like I really love the idea of healthy brands teaming up in in cool ways um, that are noteworthy, and and I really love it from a pure product side. And so I, I'm working on a couple ideas uh, for like what could be like a, a fun co-branded meal um, that people might love. So when when I've got it where I where I think you'll like it and other people will like it, I'll let you know. Yeah, man. Let's let's put our heads together. I'm happy to help in any way I can, brother. Cool. Well, until next time, man. You have a good one. Keep making some bread, and we'll be in touch. All right. Sounds good, Robert. See Thanks, you, man. Take care. Appreciate what you do.